is Jennifer at No Label Brewery, and you're listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show with John Denman. Come out to No Label seven days a week and join us for some badass beers on tap. Don't forget to visit our website at nolabelbrew.com for all events happening at our brewery. Hope to see you soon. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, John Denman. John Denman. All right, everybody. This is Drink of Ages radio show. I'm your host, John Denman. DJ Muskrat, a producer, is hanging out. We're actually traveling again this week. We went down south, and we are at the Lone Star Flight Museum over in Ellington Field. It's a Ellington Spaceport, right? That's are we? Is it Ellington a spaceport now? It has been designated as one of the spaceports for the nation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we are we are here uh, checking out this place. It is pretty awesome and amazing. And so this week's show, we're going to be talking with the CEO, Lieutenant General Doug Owens, and the COO, Colonel Chris Richardson. And not only about the flight museum, but they have a really nice event coming up with barbecue, beer. Inside the hangars, we've already walked through them, Muskrat and I, and it's uh, it's it's something you guys definitely want to be part of. So we'll get into all that, but let's talk about the show's sponsor this week. It is Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. They have partnered with Bavaria's Wyan Stefan, the oldest brewery in the world, and Sierra Nevada has created their Oktoberfest, like an American take on the classic German style. Multi-backbone, balanced with a subtle hop character, and a crisp, clean, drinkable crowd pleaser. That was a lot to say. It was a mouthful. Yeah. It was. I think I need an Oktoberfest. <laughs> I'll get through this. 6% ABV. I mean, it'll definitely get you moving in your leader hosing. And, uh, man, you know, all you need to do is play your f- favorite polka song. So right. Grab some Sierra Nevada. Oktoberfest. Prost. Prost. So, like I said, we are at the Lone Star Flight Museum, and... Lieutenant General Doug Owens and Colonel Chris Richardson is with us. So welcome, guys. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, having us out. Um, when we were talking earlier, there's been a few emails back and forth about how we're going to do this this week's show. And this morning, Katie, who I've been talking to, speaking with, she's like, oh, yeah, we'll come out to the pub you know, this evening. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I kind of want to come out to the museum. I mean, I think it would be... If we're going to do a show and talk about the museum and the event, we need to be there you know, so we can really, really talk about what's going on. And, and uh, Muskrat and I can give our own, you know, we'd say that, hey, we walked through this place and it is pretty immaculate. I mean, yeah. it's pretty, pretty amazing. Thanks. We are very, very proud of it. And I, as you guys saw today, this is uh, probably one of a kind and not just in the Houston region, but uh, very likely in the nation. Well, one of the things that, that Katie mentioned when we were walking through is that every aircraft in here can still just be pulled out and fly and flown almost almost all of them can we've got a got a couple that uh, that are um, that we don't fly anymore but uh, all of all the rest of them we do yep they all have oil drip pans beneath them I because, saw that yes yeah, that's what we were like yeah, looking like why is they're that all the old rotary engines that uh, they don't leak oil they mark their territory is that's the, exactly is it, the way yeah. it's gone but uh, so there's drip pans all over the place now, and uh, with the air show coming up at the end of the month, 
um, some of the planes will actually be out there on the air show. They will. The, the B-17 will be on static for uh, people to come and tour. We'll actually have uh, that available if they come out to the air show. The B-25 will be flying in the air show, as well as the Corsair, the F-4U Corsair, and our T-6 Texan, and uh, potentially our Stearman biplanes as well. So we will be well represented um, at Wings Over Houston. We're really looking forward to it. That's another great event. We've got a long history with the air show. It, uh, we used to do an air show down at Galveston years ago. And as uh, Wings Over Houston transitioned up here with the uh, commemorative Air Force, um, the, our museum has had a, had a long involvement with them. And it wasn't a long flight up from Galveston up here to be part of it, but we took advantage of it uh, pretty much every year. And now that we're located right here on the grounds where the air show happens, it's a uh, it's a it's a much easier travel for <laughs> yes. us. Um, yes. We, yes. we we taxi out rather than fly up, mm-hmm. so it's a uh, it's a little bit easier for us to do. But we're real pleased. We've got a great relationship being built with the uh, uh, CAF guys, and um, we look to have a, an expanding relationship with them over the years. So we're this is going to be a big deal this year. We've got the Blue Angels coming in. And, uh, Always a great show with the Blue Angels. Yeah, they're fantastic. And, and as, as they come in, we'll be well represented out there on the ramp, as Chris has said. Yeah, we got a great partnership with Houston Airport Systems as well here at Ellington Airport. So we have to be at an airport in order to fly our airplanes. So um, as Doug pointed out, we're not a static museum. We're out there flying the, flying the planes as often as we can, certainly on the weekends in good weather. So that's, it's really been a, a fabulous experience so far in our first year. So, you guys, it has been one year since you opened up the Flight Museum. Uh, before that, you've spent the last 20-some-odd years down in Galveston, over there close by Moody Gardens. It was 20, 27 years. I opened up down there and uh, built the first hangar in the 1990 time frame. And uh, it grew uh, to, uh, to a second hangar somewhere in the, uh, collectively, about 100 and, 110, 120,000 square feet. It was, a, it was a big facility out there. And uh, by the middle of uh, middle 2000s, they had as many as 40 airplanes that were represented in the museum. They all didn't fly uh, like we like we have here, uh, but it was uh, it was it was beautiful. 1995 time frame, um, the uh, state legislature designated the museum as the Texas Aviation Hall of Fame. Uh, then Governor George Bush uh, did so, um, and we. Uh, uh, went on to uh, build the Hall of Fame, have it constructed there. We had lots of memorabilia from the from the members that uh, were were part of the hall. Um, you mentioned Herb Kelleher in our earlier discussions. Mm-hmm. He was he was uh, is is part of that. Today we've got 71 members in in the Hall of Fame, and now the Governor Bush, who became president, is now in here because he was also um, a pilot uh, with the Air Force here, stationed right here at Ellington. And he and his his dad, the elder uh, President Bush and Dwight Eisenhower, the only three presidents to ever be uh, aviators, are in the Hall of Fame here. And Eisenhower, because he's he was born here in Texas. That's right. So we're uh, we're very proud of that. And as the uh, museum grew in uh, in popularity and and uh, in, in prominence down in Galveston, it it really was doing well, right up till September of 2008 when Hurricane Ike hit, and we had about eight foot of ocean in, yes. hit, the, yeah. hit the museum, destroyed the Hall of Fame, destroyed much of, uh, uh, of everything that was left in the hangars. And had it not been for, for some of our brave uh, volunteers, 
that on the day that it started raining, they started moving the airplanes out. We saved about a, uh, about a dozen of the airplanes. And the last one that went out was that big DC-3 that you see um, sitting in the hangar over here. And as it uh, rolled down the runway, the water was, was starting to crest the, the runway. And uh, so it was uh, uh, pretty dramatic as, as all that happened. And, and in the aftermath of that, it was, uh, it was absolute tragedy for everybody in Galveston. Oh, but, yes. but for us, we had millions uh, in damage uh, to the place down there. And uh, our volunteers stood up uh, like uh, true champs and, uh, and as loyal as they were to the museum in its, uh, in its prime, they helped put it back together. The museum was one of the first big businesses on, on Galveston Island to open back up in January of 2009. But what happened after that was our board of directors, in, with great wisdom, decided to look for higher ground. And so they, went, they, they started uh, looking around as we were building, rebuilding down there, looking for options for the, for the future. Uh, not really uh, settling on anything uh, for, for several years, uh, but uh, as they did that, um, uh, we continued to, to operate down there as a, as a museum, but it was, was not like it was. Mm -hmm. And um, so they settled on the location here at Galveston, or here at Ellington, excuse me, and um, it was a wonderful thing. We, as Chris mentioned, we developed and built a great relationship with the Houston airport system. We're partners as this spaceport builds. We're going to be an anchor uh, tenant here on the, um, at Ellington Airport right here with our, all the military that's here. This is one of the few places in the entire country where, um, where we have all five services represented in one place. And they all are, right here from the Coast Guard headquarters to the Army Aviation Unit here to the Air Force that are wing that's here and everything. This is really a really a neat place uh, to be, so we're very fortunate. So we had we took what we had from Galveston, and over from about 2012, 13, 14 time frame, we started to to plan on this and went into the hard build, and uh, uh, broke ground in November of of, uh, of uh, 15. Started the the hard construction in 16, and we opened last year. And guess who welcomed us to, to Ellington on first of September of last year? President Harvey. Oh, Mr. Harvey. Yes, that's right. I was, Big I was, invisible yeah. right, we I was were, thinking on the good side. <laughs> that would have been nice. Harvey that, was... Uh, that was uh, yeah, we were supposed to open the 1st of September. Oh, but it no. started raining the, fr the Friday prior, so we delayed our opening. And uh, middle of the month, we, we opened up uh, as kind of as a respite for those first responders that were dealing with the tragedy that was all around us here. And it was it was, it was was a neat thing that we could, could do for that. And... Um, didn't charge hard prices. Whatever people wanted to pay, they paid. And as they, uh, they came in over the next couple of weeks, it was, uh, it was really a neat thing to see uh, and be part of the, uh, the effort in the Hurricane Harvey recovery. And uh, on the 30th, we opened up for real. And uh, we, we just finished that year just a couple of days ago. Yeah, and that's, that's, I mean, fantastic. You guys, you know, were open and there wasn't a whole lot of damage or anything to this building, but kind of... Just talking about raining on your parade, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, we had a few roof leaks, but in the big scheme of things, that was good. And 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 with all that 52 inches of rain, it really uh, did prove the wisdom of our directors. Uh, and I don't think we, they listened to this. You don't have to keep saying yeah, that. We, 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 we came through that. We came through it just fine. So. Yeah, well, that's that's that's. Uh, 
it is amazing because that was uh yeah just not just for the the whole area was just inundated with so much water i mean it was we had we had several of our employees and several of our volunteers that got completely washed out of their homes so we've uh um we've been in support of them as well um so this has been a long recovery for everybody and we were blessed and fortunate that that nothing really bad happened here at the facility so uh, we were able to open it uh, a little bit delayed but in, in good shape because pretty much i mean you guys had to been an island sitting here during that time uh the airport itself was in in, in, in good shape but everywhere around us mm-hmm. uh, and i don't live far from here um it was very difficult to just get up from the neighborhood and get anywhere as it was most places around this uh, around this area uh but uh we it was all good yeah it was I all mean, good it's kind of kind of put your mindset in a whole different mode from sure uh, being super excited to okay yeah. we need we need to help somebody yep. sure it's true it's um, absolutely true uh let's take a quick break and we'll be back we'll talk more with lieutenant general doug owens and colonel chris richardson here at lone star flight museum this is drink of ages stay tuned Hey, 
man. Our friends over at Platypus Brewing have been really busy lately. I mean, they just did a collaboration with Copperhead Brewery called Definitely a Collaboration Hazy IPA. And, man, you stop in there and try some, and you'll be able to find this beer all over town. I had some at Brewmasters. It was really good. So look for some Definitely a Collaboration Hazy IPA by Platypus and Copperhead Brewery, and it's all over the place. And then also something else that they have coming up that I'm really looking forward to as well is the third beer in their IPA summer sipping series called What a Prick. This hibiscus prickly pear IPA is 7%. is brewed with mosaic and azaka hops, so it's going to be nice and fruity. You'll be able to find that one as well. So stop by Platypus Brewery and man, hang out and grab a pint. Thistle Draft Shop up in spring. If you haven't been, you need to definitely go check them out. So many beers on tap. I mean, more than you can count, over 90 beers on tap. Plus, uh, I don't know, like 30 feet of refrigeration that's full of all kind of beers you can have there and take to go. But don't miss out on their food. So, you know, make the quick drive up to spring to Thistle Draft Shop and try them out. But one thing that they have coming up on October 20th, just go and put this on your calendar, from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m., they're going to have a little beer fest over there. And so there's going to be over 30 breweries hanging out and you know, hopefully the weather's going to be nice, so it'll be outside. If not, it could be inside. And this is going to be just a good time to walk around, sample a bunch of local beers. There's going to be food, little appetizers, and all kinds of different things happening at Thistle Drop Shop October 20th. So more information is going to come up here. You'll, you'll see more about that on Facebook, especially if you follow them. Admission is going to be free, but then you have to purchase your tickets for samples. Uh, it's going to be a good time, and it's also going to help benefit Craft Pack. So... Definitely go out there October 20th, and if you've never been, go check out Thistle Draft Shop. Spindle Tap is killing it with their IPAs. Heavy Hands, Juiston, Houston Haze, Draped Up, all have been phenomenal brews. With all the tasty releases, man, don't forget about Hop Gusher. This has been one of my favorite go-to beers for a while now. 6.5%, nicely balanced with a blast of hoppy aroma. The citrus taste and slight bitterness makes this a crowd pleaser. Grab some Hop Gusher and make this a regular in your beer fridge. If you are a fan of good beer, then come by Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive in Montrose. We have over 200 beers with 32 specially rotating taps of badass beers, cider, kombucha, and cold-brewed nitro coffee. Take a 32-ounce growler or build a mixed six-pack to go. You can even bring your own growlers in, and we will fill them. Drink of Ages Pub, badass beer for here, badass beer to go.
I'm Denman, DJ Muskrat and Booster. You're listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show, and I guess we're over here down south at the Lone Star Flight Museum, talking to Doug Owens and Chris Richardson. We're going to keep it a little simpler right now, because there's just a lot to say. It is. It's a mouthful. It is. But you guys, have, I mean, both retired Air Force. This wouldn't be so bad, but you keep saluting when you say it. I know. I know. That's, that's what I know. It's part of it. Uh, I don't know all the details because I did not serve in the armed forces, but of course, you know, appreciate what you, what you guys have done. I mean, you committed your whole life to it and actually basically came out of retirement to start doing the museum. Uh, for that, I thank you for your service and also for what you guys have created here. It's pretty amazing at the Lone Star Flight Museum. It was a pleasure. It really was. I could only imagine some of the stories that, that <laughs> probably can't be said on the radio from many years of service. Oh well, yeah, you're right. I'm sure there's good times, bad right. times, and all in between. But right. you know, I've had friends that that I have heard they're the Navy guys. Of course, you know that's a whole different animal when you deal with the Navy guys. But some of their stories they told, it's like, man, were you actually like, yeah? How did you get away with that sort of stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, there was there was a time, and certainly that um, Doug was in before I did 27 years. I retired in 2004. Um, 14. 14, I'm sorry, 14, exactly. Uh, before Desert Storm, which kind of defined a, a different point in, in all of our lives in the armed services as we went to the Middle East and have never come back, quite honestly, from an airport perspective, um, the world was different. People were different. Times were different. Um, we had a lot of money. Uh, Reagan was president, and uh, times were good. We Times were good. We had tons of airplanes, all the gas you wanted, and... Uh, and that was all things. Things changed since then and continue to change incrementally for the armed services, regardless of which one you're in, uh, budget specifically, mission creep, and then just fatigue from being at war for 25 years or more, or the last 18 certainly in the Middle East. Uh, yeah, just to put it into perspective, uh, 1990 when uh, uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait, I was, uh, I was had been in the Air Force 10 years. I was assigned to an A-10 unit in Myrtle Beach. I was a young major at the time. My uh, son, my oldest son, I think was about six, seven years old, something like that. And uh, uh, when I deployed in, uh, in 1990 for that, um, the United States uh, went, basically went to war. We've been at war ever since. Most people don't realize that. Most people think there have been breaks and there's been other things going on. But we have yeah. been engaged in, in active combat operations around the world since that time. Since, since that time. Yeah. yeah, the Air Force specifically. You know, the Army and the Marine Corps, they came home after they toppled or after they liberated Kuwait. But the Air Force stayed for the next 10 years, yeah. patrolling the no-fly zones north and south, keeping Saddam at bay while... Um, that was going on. So for those 10 years between the end of Desert Storm and the beginning of what we called uh, Enduring Freedom, which is operations in Afghanistan and then later Iraqi Freedom in Iraq, uh, we were still there. So we, we have worn our forces out. Um, and there's people will do 25 years or more. I did 27. All except for two were in a state of combat for the, for the uh, Air Force. I was a lieutenant flying F-15s when uh, Saddam invaded in New Mexico. Yeah. So, so when again it, to put things in perspective, um, my young, my two young sons that that saw me leave to go to the Desert Shield and Desert Storm at that time, 
are now serving officers in, in the Air Force, and both of them fly. They flew B-52 bombers. And between them, they've deployed eight times in the, in the length of time that they've been, been in the Air Force. So they, they grew up, um, as I did, they grew up in a military family. And um, so they, they joined uh, the, the military uh, while the, the nation has been at war. And that's all that they know. And now they've got our, my grandkids, their, their children are doing, you know, are doing the same, same thing. My oldest grandson is a little older now than my son was when I left to go uh, to deploy for, for Desert Shield back in 1990. Yeah, my boys play Halo. Just, um, <laughs> just, you know, so it's it's not all overachievers like Doug's family. But it's 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 an interesting perspective on everything. It really is, yeah. Because a lot of people, like you said, they don't know that that America has been at war. I mean, I can look back at most of my life and go, yeah, I remember there has been a whole lot of wars that we've been in, and, yeah, and a lot of combat missions that you see and, and hear about. When uh, and one of the earliest ones, like I said, was when Saddam was in. That's one of the first wars that I remember seeing so much on TV. Was when Saddam was invading Kuwait, and then how he quickly pulled out of Kuwait and went back home. And it was just like that was just like the, okay, that's America right there. You know, it was it felt good to to see this stuff happen. Hundred hours, right? Hundred hour ground war. But it's it was a hundred hour ground month, war. Yeah. But it was uh, we had flown we had flown against him and we beat him beat him up pretty bad from the air yeah prior to that hundred hour ground war and the air helped enable that to be as short as it was so what's uh what's I, i've got to just ask another question man what's what's the favorite plane you've ever flown uh, for me it's f-15s absolutely it's a beautiful airplane it's it's wonderful it's a pilot's airplane yes um other airplanes i've flown are, are more sophisticated um, and have fly-by-wire flight controls and those sorts of things. But this was a good old-fashioned um, Cold War-era design, uh, pulleys and, and things all hydraulically augmented, but it went where you put it and it had a lot of power. It had a singular mission. It was an air-to-air focus, so we were multi-mission, which other people would criticize. But he flew a single-mission airplane, too, and I'm sure it's what his favorite was as well. But I flew a lot of different ones, but the, the Eagle was, was by far the, my favorite. And mine is the Warthog, the A-10 Warthog. So we... Um, you know, when you get to fly something operationally like that, especially flying in combat, it has a special place to you. And subsequently, here in the museum, my favorite airplane is the, well, first the A-10 is the A-10 Thunderbolt II. The original Thunderbolt was the P-47 that flew in World War II, and we have a beautiful one here in the museum. And uh, so I translate my loyalty backwards <laughs> in that regard. So my favorite airplane here in the museum is the P-47. And it's a it was a workhorse just like the A ten was. A ten that's that uh, had a tremendous amount of firepower. It did, that. but we had the Air Force has lots of airplanes with lots of firepower. Of course, yes. But there's only one that's built around a, a <laughs> thirty millimeter Gatling gun the size of a Volkswagen <laughs> yeah. uh, that shoots a shell that's a little over a foot long. Wow. And, um, so. Well, they started with the gun. They built the airplane around it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's truly that's this is the design that they said I got this effect that this gun can do these things, but I can't fit it on anything. So they said, well, get to work and build an airplane around the gun. The nose mm-hmm. wheel is actually offset underneath the pilot because of the gun. Um, so, yeah, so it really is built around the gun. What's the fastest that you guys have flown? Uh, in terms of miles per hour? Yes. Uh, I have to do the math. We do everything in Mach numbers once or, you get above yeah, the speed of sound. Yeah, so 2.2 is the fastest I've ever been. 
which translates into 22 miles a minute. So nice. I'm not going to do the rest of the math. That's, that's plenty. Yeah. That's, that's fast. Well, you're, it's a very high altitude to do that sort of thing. So you don't really get a perspective of how fast you're going, <clears throat> except to look at your ground speed. You have a ground speed readout, and it'll say something like 1,700, and you're like, ooh, I'm hooking it. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll be home in 10 minutes, sweetie. Yes. <laughs> you know? I'm in Iowa. That's amazing. Yeah. So in the A-10, I would wave at him as he flew by <laughs> yeah, up, yeah. up at high altitude because yeah. we didn't fly that fast. I've, I've, I've been in airplanes that have uh, 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 flown above Mach 1, but not, uh, uh, not as a matter of course. Yeah. Uh, so Mach 1 is still pretty fast. I mean, that's, that's... 10 miles a minute? Yes. 10 <laughs> nautical miles a minute. 10 nautical. Yeah. Uh, the, back to the Lone Star flight. there be no math. Yes, let them figure that one. Uh, the original Lone Star Flight Museum, like we we're saying, was down in Galveston, and I was there opening day with my mom. Uh, we kind of talked about the story a little bit that she had a news, she ran a newspaper for Intercontinental and Hobby, and uh, we went down there to cover the opening day, and I actually took a photo of. A B-52, I'm pretty sure it's a B-52. I'm waiting for my mom to send me that picture. And it made it for the cover of the newspaper. So it was like the first time I had ever anything you know, published that meant anything. And But I remember that day of walking in there and, and how, I mean, it was such, it was it was a big deal. You had all, a lot of press there. You had news coverage going on. And just, and but like you're saying, it was still a smaller, it wasn't very big at that time. And so compared to what you guys have now, I mean, this is this is just a state-of-the-art facility. Yeah, this was this was a grand undertaking. The whole facility was purpose-built. Uh, where the museum down in Galveston was really built around the airplanes, uh, this museum, where we have a wonderful collection of airplanes, was really built to inspire and educate young people. So our mission has evolved uh, in the in the move up here. We use those airplanes as a hook to get young people in to excite them about what can be and what the, uh, what the art of the possible is. And uh, when we bring them in by the school groups, and we've had Jeepers, just in the year that we've been open, we've had over 100, 125 schools separately come through and, and visit with us. Over 8,000 young people have, uh, have been here over the last year. And uh, to watch them come in and uh, to experience our, our learning center, our flight academy, the Heritage Gallery go through the new Hall of Fame. To watch them do that uh, is really exciting. Um, and we get kids from all ages. Uh, the, the younger kids are really the ones that, that, are, that are really neat to, really neat to see because they have a sparkle in their eye like you read about. It's, yeah. a, it's, a really, it's really a lot of fun to watch them, watch them uh, see, our, see our planes and, and, and get in our simulators. I mean, I walked in. I had a sparkle in my eye. I looked yeah. over yeah. at Kevin here, and he's just like, <laughs> when are we going to go buy something? It's like, go yeah. get a T-shirt. That's yeah. right. Like, How do we get into a flight simulator? Because, I mean, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, there is nothing like being on the ramp on a Saturday morning when, when we pull the B-25 out and the B-17. And while the B-17 is, is the pride of the fleet, and it's got the four big engines, for me, that B-25, is it's is, as those engines start to – start to churn up uh, and the ground starts to shake a little bit that is just it's just a wonderful uh, sense of uh, excitement based on history but it's history right now today and it's it is really really cool and there's nothing like a radial engine if you're yeah. an engine or a motorhead and you like the sound of a, a fast car or a hot rod or whatever these big 
nine or fourteen uh, cylinder radial engines without any kind of muffled sound support suppression. Oh yeah, we used um, to start hearing that whop 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 whop. It's a cool and you, sound. They'll belch fire and smoke, oh, yeah, and, smoke. and everything. <laughs> There's and, a burning <laughs> smoky oil all over the place. It is a it is a really really neat thing. But yeah. once they get cranked up and once they're those engines are running smooth. Um, being in them and watching those things fly is just is just super cool. And I catch myself imagining too is if you've seen old World War II movies of there were 800 plane formations. You know they they from England they'd fly over to Germany or wherever they were going. It would take them literally an hour, hour, two hours to form up as they took off from all over these airfields and they stacked up through the weather and they finally got to altitude and put themselves in a protective defensive formation. And if you were somewhere on the coast of England, you would look up and literally for 15 minutes. Maybe bombers yeah. flying by on their way to Germany. Yeah. Um, that particular plane, the B-17, in the early history of daylight bombing, got really hammered until they could figure out some more defensive tactics and how to use the guns. They added guns. Um, they changed their tactics such that they would take on airplanes from the front and so forth uh, because they were losing 60% of people. Oh, I wasn't Or 60% yes. of the airplanes. On some raids, some of the worst. I mean, they're not moving very fast, first of all. No, and there's 11 guys on every airplane. Yeah. You know, so, and, then, um, and, and the other part of that is when you look at how the, the, the construction of the airplanes and look how thin the, the metal is on those airplanes, when they were under attack, whether it was from the air or from the ground, if a bullet hit that airplane... The metal it was, wasn't stopping. It was no. going, it was going in, in one side and out the other, and if you happened to be between it, it'd go through you. Oh, man. And because uh, there wasn't much to much to stop it, yeah. so they 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 flew together in tight formations for protection. And if you fell out of one of those, you were you were, you were a, sitting. A, there's a only rest. one way to yeah that is probably going to end. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> not it's, good. It's funny the mechanics were downstairs working on um, Thunderbird, which is the name of our B-17, the other day. And so there was a guy on the ladder, and all I could see was from his waist down. He was the rest of him was up in the engine somewhere, and uh, I asked him what they were working on when they finished and they said it was a some function of the exhaust system something to come loose and he was complaining because it was so hard to work on and i said why are they so hard to work on and he said because the designer never intended for them to be repaired they were either going to get shot down or they just throw them away at yeah. the, when they flew a number of missions and i go that can't be right he goes oh yeah <laughs> one time <laughs> they, use yeah well not quite but uh <laughs> the lifespan was certainly not expected to be such that we'd have to do the kinds of repairs that we have to do at 73 is how old she is so yeah because I just thought that was a different perspective, you know? It's either going to get blown up or just throw it away. We are, we are really fortunate. We've got, we've got terrific mechanics and wonderful volunteers that keep our, all of our airplanes flying, whether, they're, whether we're talking the, um, the old World War II uh, bombers or, or even some of the, uh, some of the, the newer and, and non-military airplanes. We just got a new one in um, a month or so ago. It's called an AG-14. As a matter of fact, if you walk through the hangar, you saw it sitting down there. It's the one with the twin tails. Yes. It's a small airplane. This one, particular one was built in 1951. And the reason we have it is because it was built right here in Houston by a company called Anderson Greenwood. There was a design team whose last names were Anderson Greenwood and Slaughter. And uh, they, uh, they had a company that built this particular airplane to service returning uh, GIs that had flown during the war, they figured they'd come back and want to fly. So they built these neat little small airplanes so that they could do that, only to find out that these young servicemen that had fl flown and been shot at over you know, years of, of war, the last thing they wanted to do 
was getting an airplane. So a lot of those like that didn't didn't serve uh, the commercial industry well. We've got one of that was only five that was ever built sitting right down here. This one flies. It flew yeah. in from Bentonville, Arkansas, back in uh, a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, and it was uh, we we're really really fortunate to have it. We had an Anderson Greenwood family and the Slaughter family all here last week as we kind of unveiled it to the to the public, and uh, so the. The daughters and grandkids of uh, of that uh, of that Houston-based company gave that to us so that we could we could put that here in our museum uh, as as something that belonged to Houston. That is That's really cool. neat. Yes, yeah. well, that it's part of our mission: cool. is celebrating aviation in Texas specifically, or with Texans, as our Hall of Fame does. So it's a perfect example of uh, a really rare, really cool Texas-based, Texas-flown, Texas-made airplane. Well, let's uh, let's take a break, and when we get back, we'll talk about um, Texas barbecue, Texas beers, there we go, and some more Texas planes. <laughs> All right, all right, drink of ages. Be right back.
Friends on the west side in Katy, No Label Brewing is throwing a party, an Oktoberfest party, happening October 26th. No Label is transforming to Munich, Germany for one hell of a fest. Music, food, and of course beer with special brews just for the night. This is a 21 and up get down, so leave the little ones with someone and party it up. Get more info and tickets at nolabelbrew.com and we will see you out on the polka floor. We would like to congratulate our good friends at Platypus Brewing turning two years old. If you missed the party, you missed a great time and lots of great beers. We had some vanilla coconut porter in it, man. Let me tell you, it was something special. Stop by the top room on Washington Avenue and enjoy delicious beers to go along with some great food. You cannot go wrong with the chicken wings. Surf and turf, steak and prawns every Wednesday night plus tap room only beer selections. PlatypusBrewing.com for info and stop in for a pint or three. Whether a startup brewery or distillery or you've been around for years, the badass folks at Cash Branding has to be your go-to source for branded merchandise and apparel. Cash Branding does it all, from imprinted glassware, coasters, koozies, tin tackers, and bottle openers to dickies and red cap work shirts, t-shirts, and caps. Their apparel decorating options are top-notch, offering embroidery and the latest trends in screen printing, using water-based and discharge inks to achieve that super soft feel. Artwork services and samples are always free. Why go out of town or use multiple supplies for your branded merchandise keep it local like we do let the badasses at cast branding the official merchandise sponsor of drink of ages kick your branded merchandise and apparel up a notch give them a call at 855-376-7638 or check them out castbranding.com
right, we are back, and we are here at the Lone Star Flight Museum. There is an event coming up called the Hangar Bash. That, that if you haven't heard about this yet, you definitely, definitely need, definitely. Easy for you to say. I know. I'm telling you. And this is like normally the segment where we're having a beer. <laughs> definitely one that you you want to be part of. It is happening Saturday, October 13th, here at the Lone Star Flight Museum. And what's cool about this is that there's going to be a lot of breweries here. So you get to sample a lot of really delicious craft beers, local craft beers, and a few others. But um, it's going to be – the breweries are going to be set up in the hangars around the airplanes. That's right. That's right. We have two big 30,000-foot square foot hangars, and we'll have seven breweries in each of the hangars with their two of their uh, different uh, ales or brews or whatever they make. They're going to bring two uh, – options for them so seven in each hangar will have the lone star cowboy cookers here they're world famous highly respected winners of all kinds of stuff at the houston livestock and Roach, uh, rodeo every year so they'll be here as well so coming out it's from four to eight um we will have seating then we're going to offer you let me see how we're going to work that we're going to offer you 12 different samples for your fee plus a three course three meat dinner um so it's going to be great value uh it should be a lot of fun Entry to the museum is part of the process, and so grab a plate of food and a couple of beers or whatever and sit down under the wing of a B-52, or B-52, B-25. Uh, we don't have one of those yet. Those are all in uh, the desert in, in Arizona, but uh, it's going to be great. So 14 different guys, two each, big plate of barbecue, great times, and uh, we're really, really looking forward to it. We hope that folks that haven't been down to see us yet, who are maybe craft beer folks or barbecue folks and, and just didn't think about going to an aviation museum will be drawn to this. And when they see what's going on here and understand both the, the display of airplanes and the artifacts, but the mission that we've got, they'll say, hey, man, we need to come back here. We need to tell our friends. And uh, and then we're going to make this an every day or every year. <laughs> we can't do it every day. Every day um, sounds like, I mean, every day. That's, I'm good for I'm at least your, like four days in a row. Now I'm in your wheelhouse, right? Um, and every year thing is part of uh, kind of an air show week kickoff, which happens the following week here at Ellington Airport. So. I mean, that's like two great weekends here at Ellington. Yes, it, it is. is. It yeah, is. It is. So, yeah, Saturday, uh, you get, well, actually, if you look at Lone Star Flight Museum, you can get the information and all that. You, you go to the Hangar Bash. It'll pop up on the screen, and that's where you can get your tickets and everything from. So you have VIP tickets, which will get you early entrance, reserve seating, commemorative cups, barbecue, and then, like I said before, the samples. You get right. a lot of four-ounce samples of beer. Right. And you know, after after you're walking through a few of them, those things start adding up a little bit. It does. You don't think uh, you're having much when you just have a little small cup, but then when you're on your 11th, when you're like, hey, I feel uh, pretty good. <laughs> yes. Pretty good. So you can find us there at LoneStarFlight.org is the uh, website. Um, one big word. And uh, the tickets are right there, right online. One click, and uh, you're on your way. And all of this is benefiting the museum. Yes, it is. Which is, uh, you know, something something that people need to think about, and and you need to come here just to see. I mean, we talked, we touched on a bunch of different things that goes on at the museum, <clears throat> but uh, last segment, Doug, you were talking about, you know, we walk in, you have like the classroom, and then the flight simulators and all that. But what you guys are really, you know, one thing is that you know, people need to know is that this is an educational center it's, it is a museum and you have the hall of fame and you have beautiful planes here but it is a place where you can you come here and you learn about aviation 
Well, this is a place of inspiration. It's also a place of celebration. We celebrate achievements in uh, Texas aviation history. We're proud of that. And in that, we do have the Hall of Fame, as we talked about earlier. But what we believe is we believe that aviation inspires not only achievement, but it inspires endless possibilities. And we want to inspire young people so that they can realize what the art of the possible is. We know just in Houston alone that we've got a million plus young people uh, that live in the, in the region four here that serves the greater uh, Houston area. We'd like to reach all of them. As a matter of fact, uh, part of uh, the vision that we, that we strive to is to be able to reach not just that million, but all of the youth in Texas, if we can do that. We would like for this place to be a, a, a destination, some place that, that families and schools want to come to to be inspired, so that the, so that the young people in a family, so that the, the brothers and sisters and the aunts and the uncles and moms and dads can come and realize that history is alive right here. We don't just preserve history. As a matter of fact, we've kind of done away with the notion of preservation, uh, preserve as it relates to our airplanes. These airplanes don't sit on a stick anywhere. These airplanes have drip pans under them. We roll them out, we fly them, we put our visitors in them. We bring our, all of that together in a, in a way uh, that, that we want to really, really excite young people. So when they come in for a visit and they go through our Aviation Learning Center and learn about those things that matter uh, to, 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 to flying, till they learn about instruments, about weight and balance, about wind tunnels. We've got a small wind tunnel. They get to experience those things for real. We take them into uh, a small hangar where we've got a beautiful Mooney aircraft that the Mooney Corporation gave us. And in there, we talk about how to pre-flight that airplane, how to plan a flight from, from here down to Elling, or down to Galveston and back. Then we take them next door, and I've got 10 simulators. We put them in there and let them fly the mission they planned. In about two and a half hours, they walk out of here with a great smile on their face and don't realize they've just been exposed to trigonometry and physics and, and things that they, they turn their nose up at school, but they get exposed to it in a practical way. They get the sense of how aviation has evolved in Texas and how technology has evolved and the human dimension of that. It all goes to helping these young people, doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're two and a half or 90. We want all kids to come in here and be excited, but it's those that, that are in that 2 to 18 that we really want to, to impact so that they can go out and do great things for themselves, for their families, and for the nation. That's what this place is about, and we want people to come and enjoy our hangar bash. We want them to come back and enjoy the museum for what it is, their schools to come out, their communities, uh, community centers, uh, their churches, their home schools, all of that to come out and be part of this. Come see us. I 100% agree. Uh, this is my first time to this new facility, and it is it is an amazing place. And so I'm looking forward to the Hangar Bash, which is, like we're talking about, October 13th, Saturday. Beer, barbecue, airplanes. It's, it's, it's going to be us. a good day. Yep, you bet. It'll be, a great, it'll be great fun. And it's indoors, if you were worried about that. Everything's indoors. It's hot and or rainy. We're still bashing. <laughs> I know. Uh, for some reason, it's rained like every day for the last, I don't know, what is it, 102 days now? It feels Something like it, like doesn't it? In Houston. Yeah, it's, it's, 
It's been a bit ridiculous. So indoors is always good in Houston. <laughs> That's right. It, it helps. That's right. But uh, no, I really appreciate you guys having us down. Oh, it's great to see you guys. Yep. We don't get an opportunity very often to have folks like you come in and, 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 and engage with us like this. This has been a lot of fun. Mm, it has. Come back and see us. Yeah, and we'll uh, come see you at yeah, Drink of Ages. Yeah, we'll come by and have a pint sometime on me, of course. And, uh, and yeah, come hang out and have a beer with them. That's we'll, a deal. We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk we'll more. Uh, yeah. Definitely, because... Uh, this uh the the what you guys have done and is pretty amazing and again I thank you for your service uh, for the country and which I mean it's just uh, it's, I know this is when I should stand up <laughs> that's right and salute uh, right, if you have to salute go ahead we'll we'll one more time one more time there you go mm-hmm. yeah, all right. it's not too bad right. <laughs> no I appreciate it uh, you guys have built a phenomenal place down here and if and you know just need to get more people down here to check it out and. Uh, and then join us on Saturday for the hangar hangar bash. Come see us. Yep. All right, let's uh, wrap this up, Muskrash. I want to thank everybody for listening. And like I said, the show was sponsored by Sierra Nevada's Oktoberfest. Go out there and find it. I mean, it's going to be all over town. It's that time of year. But yeah, you just just Lederhosen's, uh, Jaeger schnitzels, and chicken dances there you go yeah, that's <laughs> there's a lot of chicken dances going on so but get some Oktoberfest by Sierra Nevada and if you want to listen to any of the old shows you can find it on iTunes drinkofages.com SoundCloud all over the place online sponsored by No Label Brewing Company which their Oktoberfest is coming up as well so get ready to party there but everybody be safe go Astros and we'll talk to everyone next week